Hey everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number 14 of the one and only show bringing you tips and tricks to working vehicle collision cases from the best experts every Wednesday. Today's topic is aim small, miss small. So grab your expert angle coffee mug and settle in. Three, two, one, off we go. Every year, traffic crashes claim the lives of over a million people and account for over $500 billion of injuries around the world. A small select group of people from police to attorneys to expert investigators are tasked with getting justice for the victims, protecting the rights of involved parties, and ensuring the story is told accurately and honestly. Unfortunately, we believe that is an impossible task without the right team of experts. If you agree, then keep on listening for actionable tips from leading experts across various industries that you can start taking today to elevate your professional game. If you disagree, then tune in anyway and let us convince you with our ideas. We are Eric Brown and Phil Rally, and this is Crash Tech, the expert angle. Welcome back to the show, guys. Crash Tech, the expert angle podcast is brought to you by Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. If you have an accident that you need answers for or you think the other side has it wrong, Crash Tech can help. Connect with us at www.crashtechreconstruction.com to submit your case for a free review. What's up, Phil? How's it going today, man? Good, how are you? Oh, dandy. So I thought today was kind of a, would be a fun episode that you would, you'd really be into of aim small, miss small. And we touched on this in a couple prior episodes of defining that scope of the investigation. And I think this is something that a lot of investigators miss the opportunity to take, but I think it's, it's super important. You know, I I think they throw it out there like a generality when you read some of these recon reports from other experts and they're like, well, I was asked to determine speed, but then they go down like the rabbit hole. Right. Right. And, and they're like, well, I mean, I was asked to do speed, but you know, when I look at time and distance and when I look at this guy's perception reaction time, and when I look at the atmospheric pressure at 2000 feet above sea level of a boiling egg on water, I I don't know. I don't know. Like they talk about all sorts of stuff. Right. And and it has nothing to do with the scope. So I I guess I wanted to take time and, and because this, you and I actually just talked about this um, earlier this week. On, on one of my reports I was authoring and, and we actually changed the setup of, of our recon reports and the way that they're going to be moving forward kind of based around this topic. Sure. Yep. So, it's critical. It's critical. You, you establish a scope and stay within it. Um, it, it is tempting as you're doing your investigation uh, and you're doing your reconstruction and as things are working out and, and so on, you're putting the pieces of the puzzle back together that you uncover stuff or you, you, you encounter things that really get your wheels turning uh, and you open up that doorway without and start walking down that long hallway with no real clue as to when the hallway ends. Um, it is yeah. tempting as an investigator, and especially if you're passionate about what you do, it's, uh, it's tough because you – you, you want to get that information out there, but if it's not relevant to your scope and relevant, meaning it's on your scope, then uh, you're, you're, you're just taking off on a tangent and, and yeah. that, it's damaging. Right. And, and uh, I think a lot of people don't think about this. And, and as the, as the attorneys listening, 
Um, but, you know, typically we wait more towards the end of the show to give you guys some tips and tricks. But I think we're going to uh, kind of start getting them here right at, at the beginning of this show because it, it sort of bears importance here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, think about this, you know, without a clearly defined scope. Right. I mean, pretty much everything is is fair play. Right. Right. Because a scope is actually what's going to kind of set you in place and say, look, this is what I was looked or this is what I was asked to analyze. And, and so anything outside of that, if, if you want to go down that road with me as the attorney of like, you know, let's say I was just asked to say, you know, a, a typical uh, because we were just talking about this case. Was this guy visible? Was he, right. you know, was he there to be seen as my client approached? Okay. Right. But then I start talking about stuff that has nothing to do with visibility, right? Mm-hmm. That opens up the, the ability for the attorney to say, you know, to, to go down that path and say, okay, well, what was the, what was the, the speed of the car? What was the speed of the witness's car? Where were the witnesses located? Where was this person? What was this? What, you know, right. and they can ask all these questions about the report and I pretty much have to answer them. Right. Yeah. But if I lock myself in and just say, hey, look, all I was asked to look for was visibility. And now they want to ask about speed or what tires were on the car or did you go out and do an inspection of the car? Did you do that? You, you know, and it has nothing to do with that. I can just say, look, I was never asked to, to analyze that or opine on it. You know, and a follow-up question I can see, you know, envisioning the courtroom setting is going to be, well, is that, is it normal for you in your, in your course of conducting a reconstruction to do this? You know, and that's where going back to earlier episodes, you know, that's where you, you need to uh, prepare with your expert. Um, You know, when you have a clearly defined scope, I feel like I'm having one of those squirrel moments, but when you have a clearly defined <laughs> scope, it, it, it's, wait. So, are you saying you're getting off the scope of this subject? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna. It should set up the groundwork for for uh, how you're gonna. Every investigation you're gonna do should be a little bit different, you know, because you're gonna have your cook your cookie cutter processes that you do every time. Yeah, you know, obtaining reports, photographs, stuff like that, but depending on what your scope is um, that that should guide you as to what you need to do. And it's just dangerous. You start introducing information or or evidence or opinions in a, in a, in a reconstruction report that's not relevant to your scope. I mean, I don't know. You can set yourself up, especially if you fat finger a number somewhere on something that has nothing to do with your scope. Yeah. And and wow. I think you hit on you hit on something right there that actually just kind of uh triggered a thought in my mind here of you know is this normal for this investigation and things like that. I that question right there I think speaks to the importance of and we we talked about it on an earlier episode of just avoiding those experts that are using that cookie cutter template and just plugging your information into it because mm-hmm. honestly if somebody asked you that I don't know about you but for me, if an attorney asked me that, like, is, is this a normal thing for you? I would be like, there is no normal when it comes to accident reconstruction. Right. Like, yeah, the, the fact that we follow the scientific process and, and things like, like that's normal. 
but once once you say, okay, look, <laughs> you know, I followed the scientific process, that's about it. Like what you do inside of each step, there is no normal. Right. It, unless, unless you it, use a cookie cutter approach. But then at that point, man, if they change their approach and they go, well, no, this is something I've never done before. Uh, holy crap. <laughs> right. You know, and the thing is, though, if you also if, if you're doing things cookie cutter style, uh, every case I get, I do the following seven things or whatever it is. Yeah, the time you don't like, do one. Oh my God! <laughs> it's like it's like everything else in in life. You become complacent because you do it that way all the time. It just becomes habit. It becomes this. You get complacent. You get lazy. You start overlooking things, um, and certain things that otherwise would be important. If that was the only time you did it, because that's what your case demanded you do. Uh, it, it, the the little things aren't going to pop up as being important because you've done it the same way a hundred times before you become complacent and your brain is just going to say, overlook it, overlook it, go this way. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're uh, at the end of the day, the end product that the client receives is going to be uh, uh subpar in my opinion. Yeah. So I would say for the attorneys, because we get, we all get those engagement letters and, and for the attorneys listening, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. That letter that you send out, when you engage your expert, right? And it, and typically it reads something like, Mr. Brown, uh, I've enclosed such and such materials for your review, please review them and uh, offer an opinion on how each person contributed to the collision, right? It's pretty generic. I mean, that's, that's typically, because you guys are trying to do us the favor of giving us the freedom to, to kind of just go where, where the, wherever we wanna go with the investigation. But that's actually not doing us a favor. It's actually kind of crippling your expert and, it, and it's hurting your case. Okay. Think about this. Initially, you're going to do a phone call, right? I've never actually just received one of these envelopes out of the blue of like, hey, review this and just let me know. Like typically you get a phone call first and they're like, hey, let me run something by you. And you know, like that's when that's when shit's about to get spicy, right? Like you're like, oh man, here we go. And uh because nobody's calling like, hey, let me run this by you. And then they're like, this is the easiest crash I've ever had in my life. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, they're calling, they're like, hey, let me tell you about this train wreck. Okay. And so during that conversation, we at least have a pretty decent idea of where we want to go. Right. Just, just that initial off the wall. Like, I, you know what? It sounds like you might have a visibility. It sounds like you might have a speed problem. It sounds like you might have something like this. And that's fine. So I would say on that engagement letter and correct me if I'm wrong here, but like put that in there of just what the original scope is. Like, you know, Hey, please review these documents, everything that I've enclosed and offer an opinion if possible on the speed of, you know, such and such vehicle and put that in it because that original engagement letter that is discoverable. That's discoverable when it goes to court. So we want to make sure that the scope on that letter matches the scope on the reconstruction report, right? Because we're going to have all sorts of problems. If you're like, Hey, investigate everything. And then the reconstructionist is like, ah, I was asked to look at speed there. You know, once, once that gets in there, everybody's gonna be like, well, you weren't really just asked to look at speed. You were asked to look at this. So now if I try and especially if there's something damaging in, in a case. And so how many times, have, have you had a case uh, with an OVI that's involved, right? And if one, 
I'm not a toxicologist. So I don't want to be the person to offer opinions on, well, you know, this guy was intoxicated coming down the road. Well, was I, I don't know. Was the, was the test performed properly? Was the right. lab certified? You know, was the blood drawn at the hospital using an alcohol swab or an iodine swab? I mean, all sorts of stuff plays into that. Right. And so if, if you want to exclude that, right, then we're just looking at the speed, this, that, and the other. And so when the, when the other attorney asks in deposition, you know, hey, wasn't old boy intoxicated? Right. I, I can at least say, you know, it was noted on the report, but I have no idea about the validity of the test or, you know, accuracy of it. Right. And, and I can use that cop. But if you just say investigate and offer opinions, now all of a sudden, guess what is included that you asked me to do? You asked me to look at everything. So now I, I feel like you, you kind of would have to answer that and address it. Well, the other, I guess the, and I look at it a little bit differently. Um, without a clearly defined scope, you're, <clears throat> I guess the thought process, maybe you're not pigeonholing your, your expert into going down this path or whatnot or exploring this potent, this this potential cause or contributing circumstance. But the problem would be, I would see, is that as the expert is rolling down the roadway here with their with their uh, reconstruction, that they're going to stop at some point and, and something's going to grab their attention. Maybe it's speed. Maybe it's, you know, um, a speed and time and distance relationship. And, and they're going to, they're going to look at or not look at maybe visibility or they're looking at visibility, but not and that because that got their attention the, the most. So they really start down that path with visibility and, and, you know, have a really good, strong argument, but the bigger argument might be speed. So what ends up happening is, you know, they, they, render an opinion um and it may be a solid sound opinion uh, on visibility uh and, and you know and that's really promising for your for your case and and so on and so forth but the other expert on the other side it could be us it could be another expert is going to say wow they went down a visibility path because they identified there's a speed issue and just kind of dusted that off to the side and and went and and that it just paints a different picture when, like you said, you're sitting in deposition and all of a sudden that's brought up. Well, you know, what did you look at when you don't have a clear defined? Did you look at speed? Did you do any calculations that, you know, pertaining to speed? Well, I did. You did. What was your findings? You know, I don't know, 80 to 55. Really? So you didn't think that that was worthwhile, you know, or, or contributing right. circumstance. You solely focused on visibility. Why is yeah. that? And now you're, <laughs> now you're trying to defend a totally different argument. Yeah. And really, and, and think about that even on the, on the flip side, because that's what ends up happening. And we see this a lot mm-hmm. on, on cases where we come in and, you know, think about, think about your case uh, that we were just talking about there, your motorcycle case, mm-hmm. right? So you have a vehicle coming, coming down the road, getting ready to make a left-hand turn motorcycle comes over a crest of a hill uh, approaching a hundred miles an hour, Right. And, and boom, you have this collision in the middle of the intersection. So yeah, obviously, you know, for you, the, the smart scope is determine if speed's a contributing factor to the collision, 
right? And, and so that way you can you can analyze the time and distance and, and where the vehicle turned and, and stuff like that. And so the other side, if they just say, hey, look at the crash and you know determine who contributed what, if they don't address that speed issue in their report and confirm your findings, think about that as, from the attorney side. I mean, especially if they only mention it like in one small little blurb in their report. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, the motorcycle came over the, the hill at the high rate of speed. However, he would have been visible and this and his headlight was operating and, yeah. you know, this, that and the other. As long as he wasn't whiskey throttling. Uh, the old famous whiskey throttle. The old famous whiskey throttle. <laughs> We're going to have to put it like an appendix at the end of our podcast to like <laughs> note all these all these terms. Um, and uh, so anyway, if you guys wonder where some of these terms come from, this is crap that we read in our recon reports. <laughs> Or a witness not, says not, not our recon reports. This is what we read in other people's recon reports. Uh, somebody typed that in an official recon report to be filed with the court. Uh, operator uh, hit a whiskey throttle. <laughs> so. That was awesome. Yeah, we had to have a discussion about that. But you know, the perception is that you are dodging a huge bullet point in an yes. investigation, and, and that's what it comes down to. You know, somebody. Typically, the the uh, counsel on the other side of the table is going to identify that. I mean, right. let, let's just be honest. You know, those of you that are listening, obviously, you guys are very educated or you folks are not are very educated. You know what you're doing. You know this game. And when you see that, I mean, if. If the if the attorney, the expert is working with. Suspects speed. There should be no expectation that the attorney on the other side of the table who's reading the same report, also looking at the same discovery information, isn't thinking the same thing. So when they see an expert come in and talk about visibility only, when everybody else is seeing, you know, the gigantic flashing neon sign in the background saying speed, 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 uh, they're going to go down that path and they're going to force your expert down the path. Yeah. So you need to define a scope. What is it that I've asked my expert? To look at. Yeah. Especially in on that one, because if you leave it up to us and we gloss over the speed or the mm. other side glosses over the speed, yeah. right? All of a sudden, and, and you guys are always concerned with juror bias, right? And, and the way that they, that the experts appear because you're like, well, nobody wants the expert to appear to be a hired gun, nor should the expert be a hired gun. Right. We, you know what I mean? Like we should be an independent reviewer and, and reporter of the facts. Right. You know, um, we shouldn't be like, well, this is my client, so I'm going to slant my investigation. If your expert is doing that, find a new expert. Absolutely. Right. So if you leave it open and you just say, hey, investigate this crash, report on your findings, and they gloss over speed, how does that come off to a jury? Because oh, yeah. you need to point that out as the as the opposing counsel. You have to point that out. Like, look, everybody else is talking about speed and you're only talking about visibility and vehicle defects. Right. Oh, well, the car had a, had a loud exhaust. Oh, OK, that has nothing, freaking nothing to do with the speed. You know what I mean? Right. Like, come on, you know, or, or famously what we always see in, in the reports that we get. Right. Were you wearing your seatbelt? Who cares? Who cares? Like that, that had nothing to do with the car turning left in front of a motorcycle. Right. And, and so we've got to, you know, now all of a sudden to the jury, it appears that your expert is biased because they chose not to look at a very important factor of the crash. However, if you engage me as the expert and you just say, hey, look, 
you know, I've already determined basically that speed's an issue. Can you look at visibility, this, that, and the other? Right now, when you get into court and I get questioned on, well, isn't it true that this guy was going 100 miles an hour? You know what? I was, I don't know. That's up for you and the attorney, other attorney to discuss. I was never even asked to look at that. Right. Like now I'm not the biased one, right? I'm not the one that's coming in here going, uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I looked at the fact that bro's going 100 miles an hour in, in a 40 mile an hour zone and chose not to, not to consider it. Like I was right. just, I was never even asked to look at it. Well, and it's, if you leave it open, you know, if, if you, you have a history or you have a pattern of behavior, leaving it open and letting your expert quote unquote, find the needle in the haystack. The problem is it's not, there's the haystack is enormous because there is countless potential scopes you know, the big the big ones are obviously speed, visibility, time and distance. But there's all sorts of other things, you know, what, you know, what occupants, what are they doing in the car? You know, we live in the age of technology. So you, you have, you know, a distracted driving case. Do you have an equipment failure? Do you have a, an environmental condition? Do you have I mean, it's just in, in inevitably, if, if, if that's what you're going to do is give your your expert just this open open roadway to travel down they're not going to think of it you can't yeah and I so mean, the sex and if you do your recon report is probably going to be you know i don't know a couple thousand pages long because you're going to be have to look at everything under the sun yeah you're going to get this bill for about 1.4 million dollars in time right well <laughs> you know, and, and, and so 10 years to get it yeah but the the cool thing is and so this is some strategy now to think about right? Is if the other side, if you're reading the other experts report and you don't see a scope, even if you haven't engaged an expert, right? Let's say you just, you file this case and the insurance company says, you know what, we hired an expert, here's their recon report. And you're looking at it and you're just like, nah, man, I don't know if I want to hire an expert. If that expert didn't clearly define a scope, hire your own expert because on, and we talked about this in a previous episode too, everybody bring something to a crash in some way, everybody a hundred percent of the time. And so if that's the case, then you have an argument because if they have an open scope and they didn't clearly define the scope, then they should have looked at everything, right? They should have, but what they've done, I mean, the bigger message for me personally would be if they, if you did not, if there was no clear definition of scope, then you left it up to your expert to establish their own scope. And, and that is in, biased. And what's important and what's to not them. important. What's right. important to them to build a case for you to argue. Right. And that is, and that is biased. Ha- absolutely biased. Yeah. hundred percent. And and that's what you guys got to start pointing out in court is like, look, you know, what were you asked to look at? Well, I was, I was looked at, I was asked to analyze the evidence and, and opine on, on how the collision occurred. Okay. What? Right. And then I would just start naming off evidence. Like when was the road, uh, when was the asphalt on the road laid? Well, I don't know. Oh, okay. When was the last time the grass on the West side was cut? I don't know. When was that street sign installed? Um, I don't know. What was right? the height of the street it, sign? Right. You know, it's just all that stuff, right? Yeah. What, what's the, what's the luminosity of the street sign or, you know, what, how, what's the reflective material? What condition right. is it in? What's right. And you just start, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that this guy was going too fast. Okay. So you decided 
what was important to build the best case for your client. The attorney left it up to you and you decided the best avenue to go, right? And I think about the way that plays out in front of a jury. I mean, that me as, a, as an expert, man, that would like, you know, yeah, you're going to try and, and, and backpedal then. And you're like, oh, dang, yeah, well you know, the service of the road didn't really play into this. So I just know it was asphalt in good condition. Okay. I just know it was, I just know it was, okay. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, whatever. And, and, to stop, and to stop you there though, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, the seven steps of the scientific method, you defining, you taking the evidence and defining your own scope and then running your reconstruction down that scope's path. Yep. That's not thought. That is not in any way, shape or form a scientific process. Yeah. That's just you looking at it and saying, man, this to me, based on my experience, looks like a speed issue. So I'm going to look at, I'm, I'm going down a speed path. Yeah. And no, yeah. But if you don't, um, you know, if, if you don't have a clearly defined scope in your recon report, did you follow the scientific process? Because what's, what's literally the first step of the <laughs> yeah. scientific process is yeah. define the question that you're trying to answer. Exactly. Right. Ask a question. Like that's the, that's the first step. And so if you, if you're reading a report that doesn't have a scope on it, you as the attorney, I would just ask the, the reconstructionist. So listen, we're all your opinions made within a reasonable degree of professional scientific certainty. Yeah. Okay, great. So in order for this to play out, then you followed the scientific method. Yes. Yeah. Great. What's, can you name off to me the, the seven steps of the scientific method? Let the expert name it off. Step number one is going to be ask a question or define the question that needs answered. Right. Yeah. And then I would just hand them the report and be like, tell me where in your report you ever ask the question or tell me what question needs answered. Right. You know, and it's one of those things where you, and I've had this before where you, the attorney's called and, and, or called and said, Hey, I got a case. You talked about it briefly on the phone. And then they send you the police report and say, you know, I, I, I think the police got it right. You know, looking at it, I think the police got it right. And uh, they, they want you to look at it and, and do a reconstruction. When you look at the report, yeah, it looks like the police got it right. And you're maybe it's, it's, it's speed or maybe it's something else. Um, but at that point, your reconstruction is not a scientific process. You know what I mean? The, the police aren't required to conduct their investigation from a scientific methodology. They're, they're not, well, not all, but a lot of them are not experts. They're are qualified well, as experts. And also they're not reconstructing. Their role in this process is different than what your expert's role is. Well, and not only that, but think about when you write a scope for the police department, when I do, Right. My scope, right. Yeah, my scope always reads, I was called to the scene and asked to reconstruct the collision to determine if a violation of right. the law exists. Right. So I'm not taking into account any, any of the civil factors. No, but Doc, what I'm saying is the actual run of the mill, fresh out of the academy officer who's, oh, yeah. take, who's yeah, yeah. doing the crash report. Right. They're, they're not an expert per se um, from a stance of, you know, uh, a reconstruction. They're coming out that, that it's a different role. So they may have got it right. They may have got the crash report right. Yeah. And, the and, they may, and, they, and they may have also gotten correct was a violation of law. Right. 
But that that and a reconstruction are two entirely different things. Yeah, you know. But yeah, and so you got to have a, you got to have a scope. I I just yep. And and don't be afraid, you know, of like, oh man, but what if? Because at the end of the day, just because you have a clearly defined scope, does that mean that you can't change it? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? And, and like you know, in all honesty, and that's not going to be that damaging to your case. Like, because, you know, if you get asked that on the stand, well, were you looked at, uh, were you asked to look at speed? Yeah, I was, you know, however, I found that that really wasn't the the biggest factor in the, in the collision. Yeah. You know, and, you know, as we started going down that path or whatever, you know, we found that time and distance or visibility or whatever was that, you know, whatever. And so it's okay if you have to change your scope mm-hmm. and, and you know, it is what it is. Um, sometimes new evidence is found and things like that. But once once everything's done, it, you've got to get to the end of the report. And and Phil is great at doing this to me uh, to the point where I didn't talk to you for like two days afterwards last time. <laughs> and uh, because I told him, I, I would like, love to say the names that Eric <laughs> referred to me as, but I'm pretty sure those will be offensive to our, uh, our audience. So I'll refer yeah, right. we'd have to, we'd have to label our podcast as explicit, <laughs> the, uh, the but, explicit offensive podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. And, and I, I told Phil, I'm like, I'm not frustrated with him. I'm frustrated with myself, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm frustrated that, you know, I, I can't turn out a report that you're just like, yep, looks good. Uh, you know? And, and likewise, I mean, I'm sure for him and, and everybody else, because we are brutal with each other. We are brutal when we, when we do our peer review um, and we tear each other apart. And that's one of the big things though, is if when we read that finding section, does each finding support that scope? And if not, does the scope need changed or do the findings need changed? Because they can't be off. No, you know, and that's just it because you get, I don't know. It, it's, you kind of act like a little kid in a candy store as you're doing your investigation, you're in reconstruction and you're uncovering these little pieces, these missing pieces to the puzzle that, that you never thought would be found. And you find them and, and you, and, and how they played into the, the collision event are really critically important, but they're not per se entirely within your scope. You still have that, that desire or want to include them. And you want to get that information out because it's so relevant to you as the expert. It's huge. And I'm going to look at things different than the attorney or different than the doctor or different than the police officer um, and the relevancy or importance of that, that information. Um, but at the end of the day, if the scope is this and this, you've got to stay in it because yep. at that point, I mean, you, you, you think about it, you know, and you see it all the time with with the media and the news and so on where the story is this but then they they spin it by talking about something that's sort of related you know and how that polarizes the viewers same thing i mean think about you know it's a media presentation in the courtroom you know your scope was this but you went uh, you touched on the scope but then you you really started adding the rest of this into to really blow your scope up into or blow your findings up into something something else it polarizes your jury, you know. Yep. Absolutely. So it goes I mean, I, back to goes back to a, a previous. Stay in your lane. Your yeah. scope is your lane. Stay right. in. It. And, and it, that's so applicable across so many fields. That's why I, I, I love that that topic alone. Yeah. So, but uh, man, believe it or not, so we have talked about aim small, miss small. 
right? Set that target small so that you, you know, and, and so we're going to go to our final thoughts here because we're actually up against our clock, but that's, that's my final thought is literally the title aim small, miss small. Right. And, and what that means is that it's an old shooting term of, you know, the, the smaller you aim at. So like if you aim at a person and you know, for, for the battlefield application uh, you know, coming out of the Marine Corps and stuff like that, if you aim for the person and I miss by two, three inches, I miss the person by two, three inches. But if I aim for the button, on your shirt that you're wearing and I miss by two, three inches. Yeah. I might hit a rib. I might, you know, hit the, hit the side flank of the body, but I still hit the person. So you aim small, aim at something small and that way you miss small. Right. So that's, that's my theory here when it comes to the scope, aim small, miss small. That way you're, you're closer to always being on target. So Phil, final thoughts, man, what do you got? I'm just going to agree with you hundred percent on that. I think you got to get yourself in the habit of, um, sending your expert down a roadway with some idea of what you expect or what you're looking for. And if that needs change and it needs changed. Yep. Absolutely. As the investigation unfolds, but establish a scope folks. Yeah. There you go. Well, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the day. As always, jump over to Facebook and make sure you follow and join Crash Tech, the Expert Angle Group. Also, if you want to leave us feedback, have an idea for a show, or would like to be on a future show, head over to crashtechexpertangle.podbean.com and click the link on the right that says contact the show. The form will come up. Put anything that you want right in there. If you want more information on expert consulting services or training, visit us online at www.crashtechreconstruction.com. And finally, if you're a PI attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Facebook group. Or if you're a defense attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Defense Facebook group. Neither site contains any ads or spam. It's just a private community that brings experts from all different areas together with attorneys to collaborate or ask questions. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. And remember, always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we're doing is for them. 